RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Today's daily Star Trek news is supported by listeners like you, patrons through Patreon. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news. So listen, you know I'm human, right? And sometimes humans can be kind of dumb. Sometimes they even do a whole segment on Star Trek history on yesterday's show and completely neglect to notice that that very day was the 10th anniversary of the release of the J.J. Abrams-directed Lens Flary reboot Star Trek film. I did that. I'm going to own that one. I did that. Anyway, congrats to J.J. and the rest of the cast and crew. 10 years is a long time. How time flies. Okay, I'll let you get back to the rest of the show now. Hello and welcome to your daily Star Trek news from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. I'm Allison Pitt, and today is Thursday, May 9th, 2019. Coming up on today's show, Star Trek Discovery gets presented for your consideration, Disco Season 2 wins big in streaming rankings, and the Deep Space Nine crew makes the rounds. All this, plus the Star Trek events in your area to look forward to this weekend, coming right up. Star Trek Discovery's push for the Emmys has officially begun. On Monday night, fans and special guests flocked to the Paley Center for Media in Beverly Hills for a special panel reflecting on Disco Season 2. Star Trek.com was there and wrote a piece highlighting some of the best bits of the panel. Sonequa Martin-Green, Discovery's Commander Burnham, touched on the show's identity as part of the Star Trek franchise. She says, We had a lot to learn even about our identity as Star Trek Discovery. How could we be new and yet old at the same time? What did it mean to be streaming and hyper-serialized? Ethan Peck, Discovery's version of Spock, revealed that he didn't even know he was auditioning for Spock. He said, I read for Tom the Andorian. Star Trek.com elaborates, He was handed fake scripts to audition off of, which writers often do to keep spoilers from leaking into early production. Finally, Alex Kurtzman, the show's executive producer and custodian of the current Star Trek franchise, commented on the series-ending time jump that changed everything. He said, We had all these canonical issues that needed to be squared away. Jumping them to the distant past or future was the only answer. The challenge of Season 3 is going to be this. How do you reinvent the world and the future while staying true to everything that Star Trek is at its core? After the panel, guests were treated to a preview of the Star Trek Discovery Fight the Future exhibit, now on at the Paley Center through July. They hobnobbed with the stars of the show while getting a close-up view of the props and costumes from Discovery. The Star Trek Discovery Fight the Future exhibit is on now through July 7th at the Paley Center for Media in Beverly Hills, and Star Trek Discovery Season 2 is now streaming. Speaking of streaming, we already know that Star Trek Discovery was a success in its role as a streaming-exclusive feature TV show, but we didn't know quite how good it was until this week. 
Screen Rant brings us the news that Star Trek Discovery was the single biggest streaming show in April. From the piece, according to Parrot Analytics, a data analytics firm who measures demand for TV shows across the globe, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 was a measurable hit. Between April 6th and May 5th, Star Trek Discovery was the most in-demand digital original series worldwide. Rounding out the top 10, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina from Netflix, Cobra Kai from YouTube Red, The Grand Tour from Amazon Prime, Doom Patrol from DC Universe, Narcos from Netflix, Stranger Things, also from Netflix, The Umbrella Academy, also from Netflix, The Handmaid's Tale from Hulu, and The Act, again from Hulu. Quoting the Screen Rant piece again, while this period covers the Star Trek Discovery Season 2 finale, it also includes two weeks afterward, suggesting audiences kept discussing the show online and even re-watching episodes. The figures are particularly striking given the show's perceived divisiveness amongst the traditional Star Trek fanbase. It suggests that, in spite of vocal criticisms, Discovery has succeeded in both finding and enthusing its audience. Now, as we near the theatrical release of the highly anticipated Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, next week, the actors and producers involved in the film are making the rounds. TrekMovie.com sat down with Armin Shimmerman to talk about his character Quark, and why he feels Deep Space Nine is one of the best Star Trek series. When TrekMovie asked what he thought fans would take away from the documentary, he said... What I think they will get and hope they take away is the amount of love that was put into the show. I know love is a word that is overused, but it really is part and parcel of what we did, and not just love, but hard work. That sentiment was echoed later when Shimmerman was asked why he believes Deep Space Nine to be superior to the two shows before it, the original series and The Next Generation. He said, I think we dealt more with human issues. The two shows that came before us were wonderful shows, and I'm a big fan of both. But they were about solving problems on other worlds. They also touched on the character arc that Quark, Deep Space Nine's resident bartender, went through during the course of the show. Shimmerman said of the finale, Up until that final episode, I was a little deflated. I didn't think my character had matured or changed as much as some of the other characters. When I got to that episode, the amount of change I had not been aware of was suddenly obvious to me, and I was enormously gratified by that. It was one of the great gifts that the writers gave to me, to make me see clearly how far my character had come, even though I hadn't been aware of it over the years. Armin Shimmerman wasn't the only one giving an interview. Nana Visitor talked to Bleeding Cool about life after Deep Space Nine, and Major Kira as a feminist role model. When asked about the masculinity of the character of Kira Norris, Visitor said, The first time I read the sides at the audition, and it just said Major Kira, and I thought maybe they'd made a mistake that this wasn't the character. This is a male character. And this was at a time when I was being sent out for either the victim or the killer or the mother. Those were the roles I bounced around from. Then to read this, this huge personhood, this faulty, strong, truthful person, I couldn't believe I was getting the chance to read for it. When asked about the experience of filming the documentary, Visitor said it was an organic experience, everyone coming together again, 
adding, This show is really different than everything else because it never really ended. It's almost like being in a club. It's been a part of my conversation for the last 20 years. AV Club also wrote a short piece showcasing a clip from the DS9 doc featuring the women of Deep Space Nine and the women fans who were inspired by them, and it's definitely worth a watch. Plus, if you're a Star Trek Las Vegas regular, you might just see a few familiar faces. The Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary What We Left Behind is in cinemas for one day only, Monday, May 13th. Tickets are available at fathomevents.com. Events worth making the trek for in just a moment, but first, a word from me. Now, I know you've heard me ask for your financial support before, but did you also know that you can support me even without a financial contribution? One of the best ways that you can show your support for what I do on this show is to share the show with your friends. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you never miss a show, and of course, leave me a review. Every little thing helps daily Star Trek news grow. Oh, and if you do want to make a financial contribution, patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news is the place to go. And one last thing, thank you for supporting this show. Now, if you are in the mood to get together with some fellow Trekkies, then make sure you get out to one of these events over the next week. As I mentioned before, if you are in the L.A. area, the Star Trek Discovery exhibit Fight for the Future is on at the Paley Center for Media in Beverly Hills, now through July 7th. Parking and entry is free, so there's no excuse not to go. Details at paleycenter.org. Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn, and Wilson Cruz, plus comic artist J.K. Woodward, are all appearing at Comic Palooza this weekend in Houston, Texas. Visit ComicPalooza.com for tickets. If you're in the Detroit area, the Star Trek Exploring New Worlds touring exhibit opens Saturday, May 11th at the Henry Ford Museum of American Innovation in Dearborn. And if you haven't already gotten tickets to see what we left behind, better do it quick. Tickets are on sale now for theaters all over the United States at FathomEvents.com. If you have a local event you'd like for me to include in next Thursday's show, then please email me at info at dailystartreknews.com. Well, that's it for today's Daily Star Trek News from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. For more great Star Trek podcasts, be sure to check out podcasts.roddenberry.com. This show is supported by people like you, patrons through Patreon. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news. If you'd like to get in touch with me, just shoot me an email at info at daily Star Trek or find the show on Twitter and Instagram at daily Trek news. I'm Allison Pitt. Live long and prosper. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.